Hello, welcome to Strange Love of Movies. My name is Livia Martinez, and I'm here with my two co-hosts, Oscar and Emily Martinez. And today we're going to be discussing the Leo Gets Attacked by a Grizzly Bear movie, AKA The Revenant. So this movie was directed by Alejandro Iñárritu, and it is from 2015, and it won a lot of awards. You guys probably heard of it during the Oscars season. Should we just start with a synopsis, or where do we even start with a film like this? Well, I think most people saw this film because they heard about... Um, the Leo Leonardo Bear thing. Yeah, Leonardo <laughs> DiCaprio and his encounter with the grizzly bear. Yeah. And also a lot of people heard after the Academy Awards that this is the movie that finally earned Leo his his much-deserved Oscar. So He'd been nominated six times before this movie. Is that not the craziest thing to Yes, y'all? yes. And he, I have to say, just to start it all off, he definitely deserved the award for his performance in this movie. He, he was this movie. Mm-hmm. And if you guys have haven't watched this film yet please turn this podcast off and watch it first because the imagery of this movie and the direction is like nothing else and leo's performance like we cannot describe what he is doing in this movie because he barely describes it he has like no dialogue in this film but it's just his face it's beautiful watch this movie before you listen to the pod that is your spoiler warning dad you were really into this because you're such a mountain man you know (laughs) so tell us about the story a little bit Sure, it's about in the. <laughs> you got, are you gonna cut out your? No, <laughs> no, I'm not cutting any of this, okay. guys. We are authentic Martinez okay. family, strange love pod. So it's in the 1800s, and they're they are fur trappers, which essentially they are hunting animals in the wilderness of what is part of the Louisiana Purchase, I would mm-hmm. imagine, right? Montana, 18... that area. Right? Yeah, that area. Is that the... part of the Louisiana? Wow, well, yes, uh, yes, it was along the Missouri River. I think the real story was supposed to have taken place in Montana. Yeah. Yes, and that's what it looks like. But I think it's filmed in um, the Canadian Rockies. Yes, so. and then at the end they had to film it in the southern part of Argentina because they ran out of snow. Right, but essentially it's about man versus nature versus Native Americans versus... Everything, but basically the elements are literally trying to kill Leo and everything is against him. The odds are against him from the very beginning of this movie because and, what, Dad? And, and thank, you, for- thank you for interrupting because I was going to say... I didn't finish. I, I didn't doubt. finish. It was man's struggle with himself. <laughs> Thank you. That's profound. Well, also it is, though, I think the battle of good and evil. Yeah, and I mean, he had to make the decision to stay alive because there are many times where I would have just let nature take me right there because it was not fun. Yeah, I guess that's actually that's probably the main theme or the main point is how desperately man will work to survive and if adapt he has to something, his yeah, adapt to his con- and if he has something worth living for. Because he wanted revenge. Right. Basically, Leonardo DiCaprio and his son, Hawk, who is part Native American, are fur traders, and they're part of this big company, and they get attacked by this group of Native Americans. I think they refer to them as the Re. The Re, yes. I apologize (laughs) to people who are listening. We may be really ignorant that everybody else out there might know what tribe that refers to, but I'm not sure. Yeah, so they're attacked by this tribe immediately, and... A lot of them are killed, but there are a few surviving ones, and Leo happens to be one of them, and he's the best navigator. After they're attacked, they basically have to get back to civilization somehow, so they have to trek through a forest. So one thing leads to another. Leo is on his own, and he is attacked by a grizzly bear, which is one of the most vicious things 
I have ever seen on camera. I want to cry. And actually, it is the reason why we watched this movie in the first place, because we have a traumatizing bear story for you. I mean, wouldn't you say? Yeah, it was terrifying. <laughs> Who do you think has the best description of the story? Because all of us, our minds are kind of foggy from this terrible experience. Well, I can take the lead as oh. I did in our little hike through the woods in Grand Teton National Park. <laughs> in Wyoming, yeah. Basically what happened was we were hiking and probably, I guess we were hiking five and a half or six miles. Because we're big hiker folk, not really. This yeah, is we're the longest not, hike we've ever done. We're like not the, not the most outdoorsy people at all. And everybody who told, we asked several people before we went, do we need to, you know, what do we need to do if we're going to be hiking in the woods for a while? And everybody told us, oh, you'll be just fine as long as you have bear spray. Well, needless to say, we didn't have any bear spray. Of course not, because why would we do that? And we'd gotten most of, I guess we'd gotten about halfway and when we had the first sign of trouble. Yes. Wait, the tree? The tree. Okay, that was a bad omen. Basically, probably like 0.9 miles in, we, we saw a knockdown tree and we had to climb through that because we are so adventurous, just like Leo's character in this movie. And then, what would you say, Mom, about mile three... We saw our first large pile of bear dung. Ew, mom, poop. 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 There is this fresh poop, and it was huge and disturbing, and I took a picture of it. If anyone on The Strange Love wants to see it, let me know. And we saw that and immediately kind of freaked out. We saw several more piles of poop that were obviously, or we think pretty obviously, from a very, very, very large animal which we presume was a bear. We saw several more of those before we eventually decided to turn back. Yeah. But looking back, looking back, is it fair to say we should have turned around right then? Yes, we should have. Why did we keep going? And it's not like we had nowhere else to go. We had to turn back and go the exact way we came, so therefore we were going to encounter the bear. We're walking, 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 do 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 and we just see Mom, because she's in front. She took the lead. Oh, so kind. And she just stops. And my dad and I kind of look at each other, and we like, hear a teeny bit of rustling or something. And then we hear, all three of us at the same time. And later we looked it up and that sounds just like a grizzly bear growl. Or is it not a growl? It's like a... Kind of a growl. Like a before. We just just figured that we were at that moment probably between a mama grizzly and her cub. And we had no idea what kind of danger we were in. So we just started walking really quickly Thinking back, I want to cry. Yeah, none of us addressed it for like five minutes. Like we couldn't even imagine. So I think that's a pretty good segue into what happened to Leo's character in this film. Basically, he's all alone and he's between a cute little baby cub, Winnie the Pooh kind of bear, and the mama. And he gets attacked by this thing, doesn't he? Uh, I mean, he yes. gets just ripped apart. It is disgusting. And the behind the scenes, Dad, did you see that? How yes. It's actually a man in like an inflatable suit and he was tossing Leo around. And it's interesting because in another podcast of ours, Call of the Wild, yeah. we're kind of critical of the way they use CGI to portray a dog. The fake dog, yeah. But in this, the bear, I think, looks very it realistic. Looks so real. Y'all kept saying it's a real bear. I was like, And I'm what? sure it was a real bear. At points, there have to be scenes of a real bear. See, what I think it was, I think it was a real bear and a phony Leo, if that makes sense. 
You know what I mean? Like a combination of things. No, no, seriously. Oh, maybe, maybe like a, yeah. Like the the bear was real, but whatever he was chewing on wasn't. But then they figured out a way to mix it up. And then in the scenes where they're actually, where the bear actually has hold of Leo, then that's probably CGI. Interesting. However they did it was genius because this is disgusting. Another thing for you guys to look up out there. (laughs) That we don't know for sure. It is disgusting. This bear rips into Leo. He is in horrible condition. And the thing is, I've always heard this is the Leo Bear movie, so I was expecting that to come in the last, like, 30 minutes of the movie. But it's in the first 20 minutes of the movie, so Leo is already just totally messed up. And one thing to note is that when that happens, you think it's, okay, it's an attack and it's over. And then it's not. And then you think it's over. And then it's not. It's prolonged. The bear just keeps going. Yeah. He he gets the bear at the end. Well, shh. Well, not at the yeah, at the end of the attack. At the yeah. end of the attack, yeah. No, he doesn't go back. The, the revenge story is not on the bear. <laughs> Might I interrupt? <laughs> Look, it's a little bit funny. <laughs> this feeling inside. Okay, shall we talk about what the revenant means? Sure, Shakespeare. So, thank you. Apparently, it means literally back from the dead. And that is what happens in this movie. And when you look it up on this thing called the internet, sometimes it's interchangeable with vampire or ghost. For all intents and purposes, he was dead. Yes, and everybody in his crew who finds him, they do the humane thing and try to help him, but it's just obvious that he's not going to make it out of the out of this harsh backcountry alive. But remember why they do the right thing. They because, need him. Yeah, they do they need him. They need him. He is the only person who's been out there before, and he is their their guide. And right. it's funny because the captain, or was it be the captain or just the boss of their crew? Domno. Dom Hall Gleason. Oh. I they said call Domhnall. Him, oh, yeah, whatever. they call him they call him the captain. So but, he's probably a, a former army captain. Yeah, he's the, our red-headed king from Ex Machina. Listen to that podcast. But he's in this movie and he's actually a really good guy. Like, he really cares about Leo. So he's on Leo's side and Hawk, who is Leo's son, is on his side. So he actually has two people really on his side and it's just ironic that he still ends up all alone in the forest. Unfortunately, he has somebody really bad against him. And that is played by Mr. Tom Hardy, Strange Love's King by now. I mean, listen to our Mad Max podcast. And one of one of the few roles that Tom Hardy plays where he's not wearing a mask. Exactly. And yet you still couldn't understand him. <laughs> exactly. No, he is this weird mumbly thing, so thank gosh for subtitles. Essentially, the crew has to leave Leo behind with three other people. Tom Hardy and Leo's son are two of those people. And Tom Hardy very quickly gets annoyed with Leo's son and ends up killing him in front of Leo, a paralyzed Leo. And it's this the saddest thing, isn't it, Mom? Yeah. It's a and, terrible and image. It, you can tell that Leo's character, I think Glass is his name, Hugh Glass, is yeah. just so upset because he can't do anything to protect his son. And that is really kind of the beginning of the real purpose for, I guess, the rest of his journey. Yeah, it's what drives him. It's getting justice for his son. Yeah, it's definitely what keeps him alive. It takes a few more days for Leo to kind of recover enough to be able to get some water. And what does he eat? Oh, ew, doesn't he eat marrow from a bison or a dead bison or something? Yes, he gets pretty desperate. Not a great meal, but he eats that. And then it's just... The rest of the movie, it's him battling nature and animals. And at one point, ew, he cuts uh, he cuts the insides of a dead horse out to sleep in it. 
and it's not my ideal room and board, but I guess, I mean, I guess it would do the job. But I guess on a cold winter's night, if there's nowhere else to stay. It's yes. what keeps him alive. Oh, and there's a cute part where he actually meets a really sweet Native American who really helps him, and he honestly keeps him alive at one point. He puts him in this, like, weird steam bath that he created, and it's really cool. And then something <laughs> sad happens to The Native that American. Why is person it so, it's so, so sad? Well, I think that's part of the humanity of the film, if you could say, because there's that one part, too, where the Tom Hardy character and the other guy, Bridger, they come across... Bridger is played by Will Poulter. He's right. the funny guy from Midsummer. Right, and they come across a village that's been attacked, or they don't know who's attacked it, but it's, it's a Native American village. And everyone's just about dead, and they find some horses, but there's one person who's alive. And Will Poulter leaves some food for that the person so who's alive. Sweet. And yeah. it's like, it's unexpected because it's like you think, oh, well, these guys are so bad and they're terrible and they're out for themselves, but there is humanity there. And I think you see it in that scene, and I think you see it in other scenes as well. And that's what makes Alejandro Inaritu so just good because he can just get that humanity on film. And that's also probably thanks to Chivo, our king, one of the best cinematographers alive. This man, I just, I cannot. My dad and I recently watched Tree of Life, which we should probably rewatch before we do a podcast on just to interpret it better. But my dad and I kept comparing Tree of Life to this movie, and we were like, why do they look so similar? And then we realized, boom, it's because they have the same cinematographer we are such film buffs aren't we dad yes <laughs> i'm just so proud of us for recognizing that because there's some weird imagery terrence malick like imagery in this movie and it is beautiful all of it's shot on natural light so it's all totally authentic and according to the behind the scenes they only had one hour of natural daylight a day that they could film in is that because of the time of the year they were filming and they were filming so far north i think so and they needed to be consistent and they would just rehearse the rest of the day in those sub-zero temperatures so it sounded like a miserable film shoot. One thing that I've heard from friends who have seen this movie, or actually I've mostly heard it from people who haven't seen the movie, who have heard about the movie, say that they, uh, they don't really care for it or they don't think they really want to see it because they've heard how slow it is and it has very little dialogue and da-da-da. Just because it has little dialogue does not mean it's slow. It's not slow. It's a long movie and it's not going to entertain everybody. But there is, again, I think it just comes down to good direction and good acting yes. because you're very much involved in the, in what's going on and there are enough action scenes that that keep you on the edge of your seat but also just kind of understanding what's going through the characters minds and figuring out what they're going to do next keeps you intrigued yes and so definitely. i think it's um i really think for a quiet movie and an unusual movie it's actually it's is, accessible yes it didn't you didn't think oh they could have cut half an hour out of that movie and it would have done the same thing yeah. i don't think so i think they yeah. had to That's think it had to be i know because i'm mama. not big on long movies <laughs> but i really feel like in order for you to really get an idea of what this glass went through mm -hmm. to get all the way back home you have to kind of take it slowly it's and true. just show Good. how many things I'm you proud overcame. of you for thinking that and i agree but i think also it's the performances i mean leo is amazing tom hardy is horrible i mean he's amazing but he's just the worst character ever do you guys think anyone else could have done it besides leonardo like i'm trying to think brad pitt i think he's too pretty for this role do you think he could have done it um i don't no, I don't think many actors would be willing well, to have taken that long. I mean, it was like a year of filming at least. And Two words. Those situations. I mean, in the cold and oh, it was it was tough work. What are your two words? Oscar Isaac. Ooh, maybe. 
<laughs> if you could see my mom's face right now, she does not agree. We'll listen to our Ex Machina podcast for no. our thoughts on our king, Oscar Isaac. He's really cool, though. Oh, I like Oscar Isaac, but I just can't see him in a role like this. No, yeah. I think this role was made for Leo, and I think Alejandro Inarritu knew that, and I think he designed it for him. And Liv, didn't you say he Leo said it was one of the toughest shoots he's ever had? It was the toughest shoot for him, for sure. Yeah, because... He also had that horrible beard, and he said food would always get stuck in it, which I can imagine. But he, And he just said it was so cold. He almost got frostbite. He would have to carry, at one point, this giant grizzly bear fur over him, which would weigh like 100 pounds. It was just wild for him. So he really went through it, and he won that Academy Award. Speaking of the Academy Awards, should we talk about the awards it got? Certainly. This movie was nominated for 12 Academy Awards. Is that... I mean, that's probably the most you can be... I think... Actually, La La Land was nominated for 13. 12 is crazy. And it only won three. So it won Best Actor, Leo, of course. Best Director, Alejandro Inarritu, which was his second Oscar two years in a row because he won the year before for Birdman, which is kind of a one-take kind of movie, which was super innovative also. To have a foreign director win two years in a row is wild because Alejandro is from Mexico, right, Dad? Yes, and then its third Oscar was to our King Chivo for Best Cinematography. And his real name is Emmanuel Lebeski. And they call him Chivo because that is goat in Spanish. And he really is the goat of cinematography. Everyone calls him that. And it's cute because Leo actually shouts him out in his Oscar speech. And I think that's because of how much of an impact he had on this film. Don't you guys think? I believe so. Yeah, definitely the cinematography is one of the co-stars of the film. And it actually beat out Mad Max Fury Road. Listen to that podcast too. <laughs> it beat out Mad Max Fury Road for best cinematography. And you guys have seen the stills from that movie. I mean, that is a beautiful film. But I honestly think this could be more impressive because it has basically no CGI and is all natural lighting. And it's just the shots. Oh my gosh. There are not many movies these days that you notice the direction so much, but in this one, we were just like, how did he do that? And just, oh, so beautiful. Can I say something? Yeah. The scenes were, picking up on that, the the back and forth where someone's pointing a gun at someone, you see who he's pointing the gun at, then you see the person who's pointing the gun, and it's seamless. It's like you're there. Actually seamless. I mean, oh, beautiful. Yeah. And then there are other scenes where there's so much nature involved because they're out in the wilderness. These shots, these slow pans in the forest where you're just, you feel like you're walking with camera, whatever, and you don't really see that, but you feel it, you know, and it's, it's just pretty amazing. Definitely. It's, it's really well done. That has to be the synchronization between the director and the cinematographer. They just work great together. It's pretty amazing, yeah. And Chivo actually has won three Oscars, and he had won the previous year for Birdman also. So I think they're just a good duo. And the director even said when, you know, he obviously needs a vision for it, when people said, no, you can't do that because of this reason or that reason, they said, yeah, sure, we can do it. You know, and, and sure enough, they did. You and know, you know who else said that, Dad? Who's that? Orson Welles, when he directed Citizen Kane, when he was younger, because he said he was oblivious to how complicated and weird cameras worked. So he would he just did whatever he wanted. He didn't listen to when people said you couldn't do yeah, something. Yeah, there were no rules to him because yeah, he, he didn't, didn't know. Normally, I'm the one who knows all the fun facts about movies, but this time my dad actually has some good ones. So, Papa, would you like to 
take the lead? Sure thing. The world unseen is the behind the scenes look at the making of The Revenant, but it's not your usual behind the scenes look. They talked to the director, they talked to a couple, a couple of the actors, but what was really interesting is hearing the insight from the director saying that his main emphasis was the father-son relationship in the movie and the idea of where we're from. We're all, we all come from a certain place and where is that place? You know, and it's, it's very interesting because it was very, um, you saw that in the movie, like he He's trying to get back to a place that he's not even sure where he's supposed to go. And really, when you think about it, there's also another important relationship in the movie between the Native American who is kind of the Native American, the tribe of Native Americans who are kind of chasing all along, kind of chasing the traitors. Well, the chief of that tribe is searching for his daughter. So also the father-daughter relationship is kind of driving him forward. And that kind of ends up saving Leo's life. I'm not going to go totally spoiler on y'all, but family just kind of, yeah, familial relations, just being nice to the common man. Well, and that's the thing. It's like Tom Hardy's character is so evil. And there are a couple of other really bad people in this movie. But overall, even though these are hard men who live life in a hard way, generally you see some kindness and I think the kindness shown by one person to another is something that again keeps your attention you're not just seeing harsh conditions and men just suffering you're also seeing little bits of selflessness being portrayed by both the Americans and, and also the Native, the Native Americans, Americans. It's oh true. and and Oscar tell us that story you were telling me earlier about how the real guy glass preserved oh, no, his no 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 <laughs> preserved his leg are you sure you want, you want to hear this i think the people of strange love want to hear it i'll just read it straight out to prevent gangrene glass allowed maggots to eat the dead inflicted flesh of his wounds i mean i do that every day so Oh, that because he has a really bad cut to his leg from his grizzly attack. Oh. And this is based on a true story, and we don't know exactly how true. Like, they don't know how what exactly happened to Glass, but something real bad happened, and he made it out. So it's inspired by a true story is probably the better way to say it. And they also show, again, some, I guess, atrocities being committed by the, these Native American tribes. But the more you get into the movie, the more you understand why the Native Americans were feeling pushed out of their land yes. and were being cheated they, by the, the <laughs> basically the white government traders and, yeah. and, and the government. So you end up sympathizing with the Native people and they're fighting for survival on their own land. And I just think that's crazy filmmaking to be able to sympathize with the people who in the very beginning are attacking the main character and all of his comrades, you know? But yeah, you just feel for the Native Americans. And there are points when you feel, obviously you feel for Leo and you feel for other people, part of his crew. But yeah, I think the Natives are the true just it's really sad what happened to them back in the day not well, to have a sad history lesson or anything well and one thing too about movies in general they're meant to be visual and there's at least an hour goes by where leonardo, leonardo dicaprio does not say a single word i don't think yeah but his eyebrows and it's amazing that's, that's where the acting comes in because Beautiful. it's it and but it's just not just the acting it's the visuals cinematography the director the direction yeah it's a very picturesque movie and chivo again cinematographer king beautiful look up the stills of this movie 
So, do you guys have any closing thoughts? If you guys have two and a half hours to kill one day, watch this movie. I seriously recommend it. I mean, would you guys say it's a family-friendly film? Um, <laughs> I mean... I I mean, funny enough, again, like we've said, it is about the importance of family well, in yeah. a way. So, it's not, it's not, it's not something that, that you want to watch with little kids. I know. Because it's just so brutal. It's brutal at points. That is yeah. true, but it's not crazy and appropriate. But it's a, yeah, it's a very good story. It's a beautiful film, and I think it'll, I think most people will enjoy it. Definitely. If you guys just keep watching Leo's face because you feel everything that character is feeling. <laughs> and I would recommend the behind-the-scenes uh, mm-hmm. documentary called A World Unseen or A World Unseen because it's not preachy, just like the movie it wasn't preachy either. Usually it's, you know, this this group is bad and this group is good. There were no winners, there were no losers. There were just people trying to survive. And I think that's something that's really comes across in the movie. And judge for yourself. Let us know what you think. And actually, that probably applies to man versus nature, too, because obviously the grizzly at the beginning is attacking Leo, and um, that's one bad grizzly. <laughs> but you figure the grizzly was protecting its young, Babies. and so it's... all family. This grizzly also, family. Yeah, I mean, I think the, the movie also is just like, well, I think with the with people, there are good people and there are bad people. Animals, there aren't really good animals and bad animals, True. but animals can do brutal, vicious things when their land is threatened, and people also will fight for what they see as their... By the way, Leonardo DiCaprio received $17,422 per word because he spoke 1,148 words. That is not a lot of words, my guys. And that sounds kind of like a lot of money, but I mean, he could be making more. He made every word count. He definitely did. And, he, and he had to eat bear liver. Or no, what was it? Bison liver. Did he actually, though? It looked like it. Wait, did I just fall for the movie? Was it what? It was in the movie? <laughs> <laughs> movie magic. I'm guessing it was jello or something. They'll try that on Amazing Race one of these days. Ew, gross. So, guys, please watch The Revenant. If you guys haven't already and you're listening to this podcast, what are you doing? It's so beautiful. It's so good. And follow us on Instagram at Strange Love of Movies Pod. That will be linked down below. And thank you guys for listening. Don't get attacked by any grizzly bears. Bye.